Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending February 2nd, 2024. I'm Kim Hollis, no longer headlining WrestleMania, and I just found out about it. With me are Tim Brighty, content creator and gamer, also no longer headlining WrestleMania. Weird, right? I, I wonder what could have happened. Sorry, Tim. Also, David Mumpower, author of Behind the Ride and streaming media analyst who was impressed that The Rock did, in fact, get a TKO. Triple H didn't even know he was doing the job until the match had started. That's how bad this was. <laughs> And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burriel, who just saw his shadow. Oh, no. Ah, six more weeks of Zaslav. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week, it's another speed round. Paramount Plus is hoping for a boost from the Super Bowl on CBS. I don't know if they're going to get that boost, but that Paramount Mountain ad with Patrick Stewart is gold. At least I didn't make it a Paramount Plus exclusive. That, that would just be a bridge too far. I'm actually wondering whether they'll air that during the Super Bowl because it would be recursive if Paramount Plus showed a Super Bowl ad for Paramount Plus and it became one of the top rated ads because it's that brilliant. I will just take this moment to plug USA Today's ad meter. Go sign up and you can vote for the ads that you like the best. And maybe if Paramount Mountain is one, you can vote for it. Also, Netflix had their press day this week. Netflix content chief Bella Bajaria ran the show. Critics got a sneak peek at upcoming seasons of Bridgerton and, yes, season two of Squid Game. Bajaria also went to great lengths to assure everyone that Vince McMahon would not be involved in TKO's and WWE's new deal with Netflix. Bajaria also assured critics in attendance that just because Netflix may be increasing their licensing of content, it didn't mean they'd be cutting back on original content. Once again, folks, Folks, it's Netflix's world. Hollywood just lives in it. Basically, at this point, if you are content chief at Netflix, you rule the entertainment industry. You are all powerful. And if Bella Bajaria tells you, no, we're not going to talk about Vince McMahon, you go, oh, no further questions. That's the end of it. That's the stop of the conversation. This was a power play disguised as a press release because they went out of their way to say, you're not getting this show you want to see. Let's say Jenny and Georgia. You're not getting sh this show you want to see. Let's say Stranger Things. We're saving those till 2025. Here's the only stuff we're showing in 2024. Now shut up and watch it. And people said, okay, thank you. <laughs> She's the most powerful woman in Hollywood, maybe the most powerful woman in tech, which honestly makes her one of the most powerful women in the world. And the sabotaging of HBO continues. Wired ran an article this week calling Apple TV Plus the new HBO. Uh, did David Zaslav go, oh, good? <laughs> <laughs> the article got surprising traction and it didn't look like anyone was really disputing it. It was largely in praise of Apple TV Plus's Gary Oldman series Slow Horses, but also made the case for HBO's decline and how Apple TV Plus was stepping into the prestige TV shoes. There is a lot of great and really intellectual content on Apple TV Plus lately, and it's really worth a look. Now, HBO is not entirely dead yet, but boy, Warner Bros. Discovery sure is trying. I feel like we got some information to sort of corroborate write that this week because Nielsen release, you know, similar to, I guess, Spotify unwrapped, they are streaming unwrapped for 2023. And the top original program for 2023 turned out to be Ted Lasso, which happens to be on Apple TV Plus. That actually beat every single other Netflix show, which is kind of astounding. Of course, the top 10 acquired programs were all watched more than the top original program, but which is beside the point. But it is impressive that Apple TV Plus and Ted Lasso were able to make enough of an impact to top even the biggest Netflix 
Netflix show, which happens to be the night agent. Yeah, this basically encompasses the last two stories we discussed where Apple TV Plus is focusing on prestige content and Netflix is saying that they're going to increase their spend for licensed content because, as Tim pointed out, in fact, the top show period for 2023 was an acquired show, the licensed series Suits on Netflix. No way. Yes. How'd that happen? So wow. there, there you have it. Netflix talking about the licensing content, Apple TV Plus doing prestige shows. Tim said that Ted Lasso was the most watched original streaming program with 16.9 billion viewer uh, minutes, which is just an unconscionably large amount. Suits had 57.7 billion minutes watched. Streaming continues to take its toll on cable. Comcast is cutting 1,000 jobs at Sky, its UK satellite TV company, as it continues to move subscribers to their Sky Glass streaming product. Bad news for Charter as well as they missed quarterly earnings expectations. They also saw a dramatic drop in subscribers, largely driven by their dispute with Disney that saw a number of channels, including ESPN, yanked off the cable system for a while. It lost 248,000, nearly a quarter of a million residential video customers in the last quarter of 2023. And that was compared to 145,000 for the fourth quarter of 2022. It is at this point a race to the bottom for cable. Charter took the daring initiative where they would actually cut off college football right before the start of the biggest game thus far in the college football season. And not surprisingly, their subscribers said, screw this, I'm going to go use an internet provider. And they didn't come back. And that was the chance Charter took with a deal that we on the podcast always said was heavily one-sided toward Disney. And sure enough, Charter itself very quietly admitted in its earnings report, yep, we screwed that, Disney got us. There's good news at YouTube. Oh, good. I've been worried about them. <laughs> it does depend who you ask. Certainly parent company Google is happy. As YouTube reported, $15 billion in annual revenue in 2023. There's been a lot of anxiety about the future of YouTube, about whether TikTok was going to impact the company, about whether their ad blocking policy was going to impact users. But that seems to be in the rearview mirror now as it feels a lot like 2007 all over again. Subscriptions are skyrocketing and so is revenue. Some analysts are suggesting that Hollywood shouldn't be as worried about Netflix as they should be about YouTube. There's kind of a meta conversation to be had here, and we've occasionally touched on it. The reality is we have short-form content and we have long-form content. And so the debate Hollywood faces is whether or not they should worry about the existence of short-form content like this. And with YouTube and TikTok doing this well, there is that growing fear that maybe just maybe they missed this point for too long because instead of people watching one thing for an hour and a half, they're watching 10 things that are one to two minutes each. Or in the case of YouTube, you know, something that's 10 minutes. It is a much different kind of viewing. And the reality is we are seeing the gradual erosion of television viewing and of in-theater viewing experiences for this reason. There is enough entertainment on your devices that you don't need to look for it in what we would previously have called conventional means. And when we see these numbers like YouTube earning more than a billion dollars a month in revenue, we're not surprised. But if you're in Hollywood, it is a high stress statistic. I will add, and this goes back, in fact, to uh, conversations Tim and I have been having about H. Bomber Guy on YouTube, that there is 
very good long form content on YouTube now. I believe the H Bomber Guy video we we're talking about was like over two hours long. It is by and large documentary type content, nonfiction content, but YouTube has essentially created a generation of people who are capable of creating watchable long form content. And that's really where Hollywood needs to be worried. Half the time when I sit down in front of my TV, all I do is pull up YouTube and watch video after video and they may be 30, 40 minute long videos. And before I know it, the night's over and I haven't watched that series I wanted to see on Hulu or that movie I wanted to see on Netflix. YouTube has eaten up all my time. And also probably important to note is that YouTube is the top search engine, even above Google. That's very weird. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. like you're looking for something, you're going to search for a video on it instead mm -hmm. of... Okay. A lot of people watch video. Yes, they will. Although it should be noted that TikTok is also coming up in the... Yes, they are. Top mm -hmm. search results, which sure is... Are. Yep. And Hulu is ramping up their crackdown on password sharing. Oh, good. Ooh. Yeah. So what happened is on January 25th, Hulu updated its terms of service to identify to its users that they cannot share their subscription outside of their household. And they actually went out of their way to give a specific definition on household. It's, quote, a collection of devices associated with your primary personal residence that are used by the individuals who reside therein, which is bad news for my nieces and nephews who, you know, have been using my services since the advent of streaming legitimately. We've never cared about it because we were paying a lot of money for these services over the years. And apparently our loyalty doesn't matter to them. We have had so many troubles with Netflix over this, Kim, haven't we? Yeah, the whole Netflix password sharing thing has been a thing. I'm not going to go too far into it, but it has taken us some time to get some things resolved and finally back where it ought to be. Basically, my 90-year-old mother wants to watch Netflix. Everybody had her set up. Everything was fine. And then this started and we tried to set her up with her own account. And every time we have, we wind up spending another hour on the phone with her and we wind up having to contact Netflix tech support, who, by the way, aren't just useless they're angry and useless. They hate this every bit as much as the customers do. <laughs> they're getting yelled at all the time. It is readily apparent that they hate their jobs and they fear every phone call because this was such a bad initiative. And yet Disney is now signaling, hey, we're going to start taking it seriously as well. Max is next. This is going to be industry standard probably by the end of 2024, which means that it's just going to be endless nightmares for everyone involved and a total sign of disrespect for customers. Yeah, but if we're going to talk about forcing people who are password sharing to now become full-on subscribers, all we have to do is look to see Netflix's astounding subscriber growth last quarter to realize how successful that strategy is. Yeah, as a reminder, folks, like we discussed last week, Netflix grew 13 million in the quarter, which means Netflix managed 40% of Peacock's total subscribers in three calendar months. That's how much password sharing crackdowns meant to their bottom line. That's why everyone else is going to start doing this. It's terrible for consumers. And the other natural byproduct of this is we are going to see just an absolute explosion in digital piracy because of this. We're at a crossroads right now, and there's really only one way this is going to go, and that's going to be people are going to have to stop using this the way they have in the past where families share. And finally, we go back to Paramount as Byron Allen has once again entered the chat room. 
Evidently, Byron Allen has figured if they won't sell him BET, he'll just go ahead and buy the whole company. He's offered $14 billion for Paramount Global, plus he'd be taking on the company's $15 billion debt load. He's offered roughly a 50% premium over the current stock price for the company. Why does Byron Allen have this much money and why doesn't anybody want to take it? Let's imagine for a second that we're all sitting in an auction house and the person goes up to the front and says, up for bid is our first item. Uh, and Byron Allen shouts, $10,000. That's pretty much what he's been doing for the past calendar year. And that is not hyperbole. He just tried to throw $10 billion at Disney for their linear networks. And he said, hey, I will do whatever it takes. I'm just waiting for Disney to get back to me. And Disney got back to him by saying, you know, on second thought, we're keeping our linear networks. Now he's trying to do the same thing with Paramount. And Roll, this circles back to a discussion that this podcast has been having, doesn't it? I mean, we've been saying all along, Paramount's market cap is this thing, its value is this thing, and we're just seeing the complete schism of that here, aren't we? Yeah, it's so difficult to comprehend why Byron Allen is not getting the respect I think he totally deserves. There's something going on over here behind the scenes that I don't comprehend. When somebody shows up and says, hey, your company is worth $10 billion and you're also carrying $15 billion in debt, I will give you $14 billion and take on that debt as well. How do you not say yes to that? Yeah, there's a term in uh, sports where someone makes a trade offer of an instant yes. You've made too good of an offer a proposal to someone if they give you an instant yes. This should be an instant yes for the people in charge of Paramount because it ties back to what we've been saying. Paramount's market cap is $10 billion. Byron Allen has just offered $14 billion. That's great in and of itself. That's $4 billion higher, 40% more. And on top of that, he's saying, and I will pay your debt. You're going to get out of this with $14 billion in profit. I will take the debt and I will cut you the check for the rest. And they haven't said yes yet which goes a long way in telling you that they want Redbird involved, they want Skydance involved, they have their eyes on other people to buy this company and something is happening because Tim's right. It is absolutely wild and I mean a legitimate ongoing mystery why people aren't willing to take Byron Allen's money and if we go back a little bit we can add another one and that was Byron Allen put in a multi-billion dollar offer for BET about 12 months ago and they didn't get back to him on that either. They seemingly do not want his money. All right. Before we talk about ratings, and we have a lot to talk about there, let's quickly touch on the box office, Tim. Uh, sure. Well, we have uh, one of our first big, in quotes, releases of 2024 uh, this weekend in Argyle, and it came in with a Friday of $6.5 million. Uh, that doesn't seem too bad. Let me just see how much this costs to make it. Oh, no. <laughs> This costs $200 million. What? Yeah. What? How? Why? That's okay. That's an Apple TV movie. They'll burn through their money and, and not even care about it. Yeah. I mean, the ads for this have been relentless and this is probably going to come in with a tad under 20 million for the weekend, which is not a, not a good start at all. Uh, especially with that, with that kind of budget and reviews are kind of terrible too. And oh, the cinema score. Oh, a C plus. What? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, there was a C plus. Oh dear God. <laughs> so yeah, well, that this, is this, not this is, good. Yeah, this is going to be a recurring theme for box office in 2024 until we get to I don't know what at this point. Well, that's depressing. Let's talk about ratings instead. Yeah, sure. And in fact, we have two weeks of it because you know Nielsen has decided to just keep messing with us. <laughs> so first we're looking at 
the Nielsen screening ratings for Monday, December 25th to Sunday, December 31st, 2023. As we wrap up the year, let's see how people spent the holiday week on streaming. And the, the top original show was, of course, The Crown, one, one billion minutes for its 63 episodes as we got the final episode of its final season just a week or two prior. No surprise there. And we we'll, should see it stick around for a while as it drifts down the chart. Two from Prime Video Reacher, 943 million minutes for its 11 episodes, adding an episode a week after its three-episode premiere on the 15th. The newest, latest episode added on the 29th during this week with uh, three more to go in its, in its season. So that will stick around for a while. Disney Plus's Percy Jackson and the Olympians. We saw that last time we talked about ratings. So 100 million minutes for three episodes. So that's still solid. That's right. great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, My Life with the Walter Boys hanging, showing some surprising flags hanging around. 604 million minutes viewed for 10 episodes. New in fifth, The Manny. 10 episodes, 555 million minutes. This is a Mexican series, presumably based on a male nanny, thus, you know, Manny, that arrived on Netflix on December 24th. And I think we mentioned it during what's new for for mm-hmm. that week. So yep. yeah, no surprise. Um, I mean, Spanish language series are always do well uh, on Netflix and we tend to under- underestimate them, but I think we called that we might see this one here. Yeah, I think we did. Uh, Disney Plus is What If, 18 total episode, 513 million minutes viewed. That's fine. The, so Disney, rather than go weekly, they actually tried an experiment with this one and the closest they'll probably get to the to the binge model. And that is they dropped the entire season uh, on consecutive days. Yeah, it premiered on the 22nd and each day through the 30th. So there was a new episode for it every day. So that's pretty solid and that it's here for the week with you know new con- a new episode the entire holiday week. It was actually just a nice idea by Disney, just a little Christmas gift that every day of the holiday season, you'd get a new MCU story and they're all good. And it does look like experimenting with the release pattern over the holidays when a lot of people would be watching streaming paid off. Without spoiling next week's ratings, it's clear this was a successful approach that didn't necessarily translate into long-term success. Uh, seven from Peacock, Dr. Death. We saw that last time we talked about ratings. 327 million minutes for 16 episodes over two seasons. Netflix's Virgin River, 306 million minutes, 54 episodes. School Spirits has also been here for a few weeks now, 282 million minutes at eighth. And Money Heist Berlin, 274 million minutes for eight episodes. So this arrived on the 29th. So this is actually just a, a weekend number. So that's a good start. It is the prequel to the popular series Money Heist. And it turns out Berlin's not a location. Berlin's a person. Yeah, I love that. It's called Money Heist Berlin, even though it's set in Paris. Yes, it takes place in Paris. It is a Spanish series that takes place in Paris starring a character named Berlin, who was in the original series. Uh, this is essentially like the prequel spinoff. So you, you figured that was going to happen with how successful it, it was, but it amused me to no end when I discovered this fact. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, not, uh, not as reviewed as well as the original Money Heist, but I imagine popular enough to at least get maybe another season because the first Money Heist took many, many seasons. Movies for this week is still led by Rebel Moon Part 1, which arrived right before Christmas. So 974 million minutes for its full week. That's fine. To be expected. Uh, I'm sure it falls apart from here and I can't wait till the Part 2 shows up back in May. Leave the World Behind dominated the movie's chart for a couple weeks, 881 million minutes for the holiday week, so still very solid. Uh, returning to the movie's chart, this time from Netflix, Meg to the Trench, 737 million minutes. So yeah, we saw it after its theatrical run. It arrived, uh, I believe, on Max, and we saw it, but here it is now on Netflix, and it does way better. 
the Super Mario Brothers movie, also on Netflix after arriving from Peacock, also gets a little bit of a bump, 726 million minutes for the holiday week. And hopefully it was either, it was a quirk in the numbers or just an aberration or maybe Nielsen just plain forgot to include it. But Barbie is back on Mac, 602 million minutes. So good to see. The holiday stuff is still here, though down a tick from the previous movie's chart because I'm sure it lost interest after, you know, Christmas, which happened on Monday. Uh, but Home Alone is six. Uh, I'll throw an elf in eighth, 433 and 412 minutes respectively. Seventh is Gran Turismo from Netflix, 412 million minutes. And ninth and tenth. Okay. Ninth is credited to Netflix and Prime. This is Sniper Ultimate Kill, 391 million minutes. And tenth goes to Sniper Assassin's End, 390 million minutes viewed. These are part of the long-running Sniper film series, which actually goes all the way back to 1993, starring Tom Berenger. And then he made, the first one was a theatrical release, and then two and three were direct-to-video. And then it got resurrected as a streaming series starting in 2011. There are now 10 of these movies, believe it or not. <laughs> the most recent one actually premiered in December on Netflix, but that one's not here. These are the the seventh and eighth movies for some reason. Uh, maybe just people were reacquainting themselves with the Sniper Cinematic Universe or something. I'm, I'm not 100% certain. They all star Chad Michael Collins as the son of Tom Berenger's character from the first three movies. Sure, whatever. This is great. I just want to point out and repeat what Tim just said. Sniper Assassin's End, which is on Netflix, got 390 million minutes. Sniper Ultimate Kill, which was on Netflix and Prime, got 391 million minutes. <laughs> so I think we could fairly divide that up and say 1 million, One million for minutes for, for Prime. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And 390 for Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, you, you got me. I mean, I, I don't understand it, but this is Netflix for you. This, they can just throw any old thing out there and and get a few hundred million minutes feed. Uh, acquired is, let's go with nine shows we've seen before. Uh, in seventh is Law & Order Special Victims Unit, credited to Hulu and Peacock, 507 million minutes for 478 episodes. Yeah, why haven't we seen this before? I, I can't figure out if a new season or two had finally arrived, but yeah, it's odd considering how long running this show is and you know procedurals tend to do all right that it was never here previously. It is, of course, the chart this week led by Young Sheldon, 1.3 billion minutes as people work their way through that series. Yeah, Young Sheldon is one of those Mac shows that just recently got, I guess, co-licensed to Netflix mm -hmm. and suddenly jumps to the top of the charts. Yeah, that happened a few weeks prior. But yeah, it's the it's the suits effect to a smaller degree. People just clearly working their way through the, the entire series over, over time. And that's what happened with suits over the summer. And now that's clearly happening with Young Sheldon. If you think about it, though, it's half the time of suits, like it's runtime right. per episode is half that of suits. So that's a lot. That's a lot of minutes for a right, a show that's yes. what? That's a half hour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it probably takes you 20, 22 minutes to, mm -hmm. watch. to watch an episode. Yes. So, OK, let's move on to the latest set of ratings we have. We are now on Monday, January 1st to Sunday, January 7th, 2024. And arriving with a bang on Netflix is Fool Me Once, three billion minutes for eight episodes. What? Folks, allow me to take you into our home on Thursday. Cut to me sitting on the couch, looking over at Kim, going, what's Fool Me Once? It has three billion minutes. Do I even know what that is? And then we see a smirk growing on Kim's face as she says, It's that Harlan Coben show. Hey, hey guys, I can name a Harlan Coben show on Netflix now. <laughs> but will you be able to in a month? That's the question. <laughs> 
Yeah, arriving on January 1st, so we did have the full week, so it's not going to take a jump from here next time, at least we think. But yeah, that's just out of nowhere. Just, wow, no no wonder uh, Netflix went ahead and made that that deal with him because they they knew uh, before anyone else did that uh, there's the market for his adaptations. I picture them looking at the numbers for that and then just saying, all right, send a brink truck to Coben's house. Because <laughs> like the deal was cut within two weeks of this happening, legitimately. <laughs> A second is Reacher and from Prime Video, uh, 14 episodes, 1.3 billion minutes. So I definitely saw way more people talking about the second season of the show than, than the first. And I know people who talked about the first, but yeah, the second season seems to have greatly improved. Yeah, we'll talk about it more in the uh, what we've watched this week, but there was definitely a leveling up of awareness for the project. Mm-hmm. And since they had an incredible season, you can safely expect Reacher 3 to do even better. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, the Crown is third, 718 million minutes, 63 episodes. Uh, new and fourth, and uh, we saw this one coming, The Brother's Son, 696 million minutes viewed for eight episodes. Um, Michelle Yeoh, right? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Michelle Yeoh is in this. Yeah, awesome. It has I to saw... be thrilled to her that she's finally breaking out now instead of in like 1998 you instead know of when, yeah. instead of when uh crouching tiger hidden dragon yeah and she was also <laughs> in a bond film back right. then but yeah i actually saw a lot of press and marketing for this so it clearly worked mm-hmm. and also new in fifth from netflix you are what you eat a twin experiment a four episode docuseries from from netflix i remember talking about that and well at least it's not you know serial killers Identical twins change their diets for eight weeks to see how food impacts them. Yes, so we I'm not surprised it's here, but again, hey, whatever. Uh, Disney Plus's Percy Jackson and the Olympians is six, 627 million minutes. My Life with the Walter Boy is seven, 495 million minutes. Money Heist Berlin, 393 million minutes. Uh, unfortunately, Dave Chappelle, The Dreamer, 376 million minutes for his most recent stand-up special. Again, there's just a handful of stand-ups that can reasonably make this this list he is unfortunately one of them because they are counted as original series with just one episodes but yeah there it is and thankfully we, we won't see it again uh but this might be my favorite thing of the week on the ratings chart new intent is the act this is from hulu eight episodes 317 million minutes does anyone know what this is without looking it up no Okay. This is a 2019 uh, limited series about the case of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. She was recently in the news. Yes. She was recently in the news because she was just released from prison uh, over the trial of the murder of her mother because she was essentially abusive. And it was, I guess, what you would call at one time Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Yes. The mother she was, was... She treated her as though she was ill, but yes. she was not actually ill. Correct. Yep. Uh, and it led to her having her boyfriend kill her mother. Uh, and she served in time in prison. And because she was in the news as recently released, people decided to watch this. This starred uh, Patricia Arquette and Joey King. Can we go back to talking about what twins eat again? <laughs> So I found this actually fascinating that people found this few years old series about someone who was in the news. If this was on Netflix, this would have been number one. I'm actually 100% convinced of that. I absolutely think you're right. Yeah, I was like, wait, this is, I was like, oh, that that was some interesting timing. Then I looked at what, when it came out and I was like, oh my God, 2019? <laughs> what the? Yeah. So, but being on Hulu, it's, it, it only manages 317 million minutes instead of, you know, I don't know, 3 billion if it was on Netflix. People make me sad. Yeah, it's just I just I just find it fascinating because of the timing of uh, the news story too. Okay, movies for this week. We've gotten rid of all the Christmas movies finally, but it is led by The Equalizer three, one billion minutes after arriving on January first. So the full week, but uh, still pretty good. Ugh. 
I've already got too many movies to watch. <laughs> so I spent most of the month of December's movies ratings wondering where all these DCEU movies were because they came to Netflix from Max in December, uh, except for one, which just happened to show up on January 1st, I guess, because they figured people would watch the sequel or maybe get hyped to watch the sequel. But Aquaman is second, 955 million minutes. Didn't help the box office of the sequel any, but that's a decent number for something you know to just show up on, on Netflix. That's not new. Uh, third is Those Who Wish Me Dead, 685 million minutes credited to Max Netflix. This is also showed up on Netflix on January 1st. I had no recollection of this was until I read the first couple words of the opening description, which included the word smoke jumper. Smoke jumper. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> yes, this this is uh, Angeline Jolie uh, in a... 2021 uh, action thriller. So yes, as soon as I saw that word, I was like, oh, that's what, that's right. That's what this is. <laughs> that film is going to haunt this podcast forever, isn't it? <laughs> Probably, yes. <laughs> Fourth is from Netflix, Society of the Snow, 595 million minutes viewed for this Spanish language survival thriller. Yeah, we all remember the movie Alive. This is that same story again. Oh, that's and right. This is nominated for Best International Feature Film, as the award is now called, uh, and uh, Makeup and Hairstyling as well. Fifth is John Wick. Yes, the first one, 571 million minutes. And I will throw in seventh is John Wick Chapter 2, 474 million minutes. Uh, the first three John Wick movies all came to Netflix on January 1st. Hey, good news for your mom. Yes. Well, <laughs> she's definitely seen seen those uh, probably more than, more than once. Uh, Yes, it is funny, though, because the fourth one is still on Peacock. Uh, sixth in between the John Wick movies is the Super Mario Brothers movie, 529 million minutes. Eighth is Meg 2, The Trench, 462 million minutes. Nine, The Croods, a movie we've seen before, 424 million minutes. Came back to Netflix from wherever it was on January 1st. And we wrap up movies with Elvis, for some reason, 413 million minutes. That did not bounce around already. I don't know why it's back here. It's just very funny that it's back because we saw that before once it premiered on, on streaming. There's also kind of a meta thing we can tie together here, and that's, first of all, there wasn't a Disney film on streaming movies this week, which I'm not saying it's a first, but it's an extreme rarity uh, since the inception of Nielsen ratings. Mm -hmm. However, we did learn something from Nielsen that was kind of like, oh, for us. And that was Moana was the most watched film of 2023 with 11.6 billion minutes, which isn't a surprise to anyone listening to this podcast. I will throw in that Super Mario Brothers movie was third with 8.8 .8 billion minutes. In between them was Encanto. So everything we're discussing here, we've discussed many times before. But the thing about Moana that was kind of... It'll break your brain. According to Nielsen's service, people have watched Moana 775 million times since Nielsen started tracking it. 775 million. And that's why you're seeing all of this stuff all the time with Moana. It is, for whatever reason, the movie people cannot get enough of. Acquired this week is nine shows we have seen before, uh, still led by Young Sheldon, another 1.3 billion minutes, and Bluey, 1.2 billion. Uh, but our new show is Tacoma FD in eighth from Net Max and Netflix, 622 million minutes for 49 episodes on December 31st. The entire four seasons of this show, this is a true TV show, apparently, they arrived on Netflix. 
apparently you haven't watched every episode of this? I have not. Yeah, this is the Super Troopers people. And when Kim and I saw this the other day, we were laughing, high-fiving, and fist-bumping. This Yeah, is we joy. were so happy for them. <laughs> Broken Lizard has been a comedy troupe for ages now, and we have been with them since very, very early on. And throughout their career, they just can't catch a break. Like, even when they finally did the Super Troopers sequel, mm-hmm. it was the pandemic, and so people kind of ignored a film that, you know, fans have been wanting for a long time now. And we finally have a situation here where we can quantify just how popular it has grown to be. This is their fire station comedy, and I'm not saying it's going to be the greatest thing you've ever seen or anything like that, but it is consistently charming with a lot of likable people. This is the type of content people should be watching on streaming, and we were thrilled to see it here. But Tim, it did raise a question. Are we going to start seeing an influx of all the trash True TV stuff now? Oh God, if they ever put Impractical Jokers on Netflix, it's going to have like so many freaking views. <laughs> also, which reminds me, I need to look up if uh, where Adam ruins everything is streaming, if anywhere, because that that's a show they shouldn't have canceled, but of course they did. Uh, yeah, but that was two weeks worth of ratings. Please don't do that again, Nielsen. That's <laughs> it makes our lives, well, my life anyway, extra miserable. Yeah, it makes it hard for us. So don't yes, do that. Don't do that. Stop doing that. Listen to <laughs> us. Yes. All right. Thanks, Tim. In our green lights and cancellations this week, HBO is developing a limited series based on Gillian Flynn's novel, Dark Places. I'm not sure I was familiar with this novel, but the synopsis sounds really intense. I could see why this was a bestseller. Yep, all her stories seem to be fairly intense. And Apple TV Plus has greenlit a second season for the Idris Elba thriller Hijack. Just how long is he on that plane? Uh, It's basically the John McClane thing. If it happens once, that's unlucky. If it happens twice, you're the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Despite its rating success, Netflix will not be moving ahead with a second season of the raunchy and violent action series Obliterated. I honestly didn't think they'd be doing a second season season i suppose if it was going to be successful enough they would but here it is it actually did quite well in the ratings for a while it shocked me that it's ended up in the top 10 at all but certainly the critics panned it and so maybe that factored into the decision netflix had just really praised the show's uh ratings performance and i think this just kind of speaks to the fact they suspect and i think they're right that it's probably a one-time only thing otherwise you get the hangover two or the hangover three nobody wants that so it probably was best to start here and the other thing i'll say is it goes back to what i just said if this happens a second time you probably have a problem and should seek assistance with your sobriety okay (laughs) (laughs) and taylor sheridan is gearing up for a new series on paramount plus Landman, set in the oil and gas fields of west texas and based on the 11-part podcast boomtown is set to star billy bob thornton Michelle Randolph from Sheridan's 1923 and James Jordan from Sheridan's Yellowstone will also star. And to be fair, if Sheridan keeps making new shows, eventually everyone in Hollywood will have appeared in at least one of his series. Also, to be fair, if there's an Aquaman, there should be a Landman. <laughs> <laughs> and it is always hard for me to now not say Billy Bob Thornton in Clayface's voice. 
As always, we close out with what's been keeping us busy this past week, and we didn't actually watch too, too much this week, but we did finish off Reacher season two. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, and yeah, it was a good season. The last uh, episode or two got a little bit ridiculous. I mean, a little bit ridiculous, a lot bit ridiculous, but I think that the cast, when you're talking about this particular particular season. It is Reacher and a group of people that he recruited to be part of a special military unit. And they're all great together. They're just phenomenal as a group. And you can tell that they're having fun together. And I recommend it. I recommend the show. I think that this is what Reacher is meant to be. And uh, I can see a lot of people really coming back for season three for sure. Raul, how about you? I watched Roleplay on Amazon Prime Video, which stars uh, Kaylee Cuoco and David Oyelowo. And honestly, I feel it was such wasted potential. Kaylee Cuoco plays a wife and mother whose family doesn't know that she's actually secretly an assassin. Bill Nye appears in two brief scenes as another assassin and competitor. It is kind of a comedy. There is a lot of murder for a movie that's a comedy. And I feel like maybe it just ultimately was very boring. It just didn't seem to make much happen. Alternately, I have been catching up on the latest season of Rick and Morty on Max, which just premiered a couple of weeks ago. Despite the fact that they've uh, moved on from one of their uh, original creators, Justin Rulon, the show is still just as great as ever. It is utterly nihilistic. It is just so dark and yet hilarious. You find yourself feeling terrible laughing at some of the jokes in the series. I don't know that I can really necessarily describe anything here without people thinking poorly of me. It's just, there's just such terrible stuff that happens in this and it's all played for laughs and it just works. It just utterly works. I love it. The voice talent, the guest stars, Hugh Jack Jackman appears in this season and plays really a just terrible version of himself. And yet you got to love it. I strongly recommend Rick and Morty, but you really do have to appreciate that kind of humor. It is not for anyone by any means, but it is very much my cup of tea. And I'm glad that it's finally landed on Max. Tim, how about you? So one of the strangest things you can do in gaming is to play something you haven't played in a very, very long time. Give a game like five to 10 years or so and it will well, I swear it will be 50% parts you vaguely remember, 25% parts you absolutely remember, and 25% parts you have no recollection of at all. This happened to me a few years ago when I replayed the Mass Effect series because my original Xbox with my Mass Effect save had red ringed and I wanted to replay it to carry over to the second and third games. Uh, but anyway, this week, after finally vanquishing the final boss of Octopath Traveler, thank God, I picked up a game that I remember renting three or four times from Blockbuster for the PlayStation back when that was a thing we did. Oh, I don't know. 25 years ago. Uh, Star Ocean, the second story, is a JRPG that I was just absolutely fascinated with. And I noticed that it had a remake released a couple months ago called Star Ocean, the second story R. So I picked it up and outside of a couple of the characters, I don't remember any of this game. It is your standard you know, JRPG with the combat is action rather than, than turn-based. So, and, and it's fine. The, um, you know, the characters are varied and enjoyable, but I don't remember any of the story, the customization, the crafting. I pulled up a YouTube video of the original PS1 game and just, you know, skim through like bits part. And yeah, the gameplay and the story progression is all exactly the same. And I don't remember doing any of this. This is just so freaking weird to me that I, I'm like, wait a minute. I would like play this game for like weeks back a long time ago. And I don't remember 
remember it at all. But I am I am enjoying it. I am going to see this see this one through. It's got some replayability because there are missable characters and mutually exclusive characters that you can get to join your party. Like if one joins, another won't join, or and there's different storylines and endings that can occur. So yeah, it was worth it. It was fun. It's just a really really weird experience to go back to something and just not remember doing any of it. Tim, did you really not want to talk about the Royal Rumble any? I can. There've been better. I didn't hate it. There certainly have been better rumbles in your past. It was almost like there was this weird black cloud just hanging over everything for obvious reasons. And I think that did take away from the event. It had some some excellent uh, moments, strong moments. But yeah, it was disappointing relative to events in recent Royal Rumbles in, in the past, which is always generally one of their most entertaining events. But the good news is Cody's going to headline WrestleMania, right? Oh, well, maybe, maybe not. All right. I had expected us to have a WWE segment in this podcast, and it just hasn't worked out organically. <laughs> but so tune into our Patreon subscriber yes, exactly. only wrestling yes. podcast. <laughs> Where we use a lot more swears to discuss yes, exactly. a really disgusting situation. And we'll just hold his ears over the whole thing. He just goes, la, 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 not <laughs> Exactly. But it is interesting in that Peacock got record ratings for this, and less than a week later, it looks like there is a legitimate chance that The Rock is now basically calling the shots for WWE from now on. In other words, circling back to a podcast discussion we had a while ago, The Rock basically tried to take over the DC Universe, and we totally respected it. We did, because <laughs> it's a billion-dollar franchise. You want to be the person in charge of that. Well, that didn't work out, because it turned out the rocks movie was trash but the idea was sound and now he's just apparently pulled off the same feat with wwe so events at the royal rumble somehow led to that and we're all just kind of fascinated by what's happening and that'll be an ongoing thing in this podcast moving forward because you know netflix just signed a big deal and immediately had regrets ironically wrestling is extremely relevant to streaming right now shockingly so you're absolutely right and it's going to be a story we continue to explore for mine, I just want to say Reacher Season 2, I loved Reacher Season 1, but this was much better. This was tighter, more focused storytelling and with a better, deeper cast. The cast last year was stubbornly small, which meant there was basically, you know, three or four really good people and everyone else in that town was absolute trash. And, you know, I didn't really like that divide. It was kind of like an anti-Hallmark movie where you go to the small town and they're all terrible. Reacher Season 2 works because you can tell how painful it is when a tight knit group loses someone and given the fact that we're in an internet community and that we've lost we lost someone a while ago and it hurt everyone and then we recently lost someone within the last really a month and we take it personally. So Reacher really resonates from the fact that, you know, if, if you have served with someone, if you have solved crimes, if you have fought for justice with someone, and then that person is murdered, you're going to want revenge, you know, in the most savage fashion you can get. And it is a violent program. And Kim is right. It feels like they should have done 10 episodes instead of eight because they tied up way, way, way too much in the end. So seven of the episodes were close to perfect. The finale doesn't get it done, which is frustrating. It's the same complaint we had with Echo. We also have seen What If, and I, I think we mentioned this a week or two ago. Uh, we're now two-thirds of the way through the season, and it continues to be visually stunning. I know that the Annies just recently nominated it for several awards, and they're justified. It is one of the most gorgeous television series I've ever seen, and I gotta give them credit. They're finding some really interesting interpretations for storylines we already know. So, really, really happy with the content across the board there. 
Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingvoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider becoming a supporter on Patreon at patreon.com streamingvoid. Be sure to watch for us again next week. 